the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, Episode 199. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hello, Unruffled listeners. We are popping in at the top of the show to share with you several ways that you can help support the podcast. First, you can become a patron of the show by donating to our Patreon fundraising campaign. Please consider supporting our consistent effort in bringing you weekly content on creativity and recovery, all for less than the price of a latte. For just a dollar an episode, you will receive early access to each week's show as our way of saying thank you. If every listener did this, we would be over the moon. The link to our Patreon campaign is www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. And that's not it. You can share our show on social media or with your friends, and you can subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on iTunes. All of this helps our little show immensely. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now onto the show. Good morning, my friend. Good morning. Do you feel like this is like the day before <laughs> summer break starts, you know? I really, really do. I feel like it's the last day of school. Let's It's the last day of school and we're going on a break. Uh, we, I'm so proud of us, Sandra. I always say this and I'm going to just say it again. I'm really proud of our commitment to this podcast. I am I'm too. Very proud of how we show up every single week for the last 199 weeks in a row, even the one week we took a break this summer um, Mm -hmm. for Black Lives Matter and went quiet that week. Um, I feel like we've, yeah, we've just really exercised this practice of accountability and creativity. And it's really, really fostered and helped and supported my sobriety to do this with you. Absolutely. And connection, right? Mm, So much. And our community. Oh my gosh. I, um, I would hope that I'd be sober without it, but I don't know. I don't know. It means that much. Yeah. It's really a big deal. And I was thinking today of an ask. I kind of wanted to ask the listeners. I know we have a little recording at the beginning that maybe people probably zoom past because they've heard it at, at the beginning of every show, but to our page, our patrons through our Patreon account, I just want to say a big thank you. You guys have supported us yes. with your monthly donations. Um, and I, we are so grateful. And if you haven't had the opportunity to do that, please check it out. It's the page, um, patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast, you know, and, and we're not asking for anything major. We're asking for like a dollar an episode, um, four bucks a month. And it has made a big difference in Sandra and my life. And because we don't get paid really to do this, we don't have sponsors. No, we don't have sponsors. We've tried and (laughs) we tried, we kind of tried uh, slightly Mm -hmm. half-assed it, but we tried and it's just a lot of work. And that is a lot of work. And I guess, you know, neither of us are 
are willing to spend the time to pursue that wholeheartedly. So, and we we don't have assistance. We're one woman shows, you know, so we uh, we have Margaret, we have our, Oh yes. Yes. Margaret, but Margaret helps us promote the show on social media, which we're very grateful for. Yes. Um, and Steve helps us produce the show, uh, my son's father. And so we, we, we do have that, but it's, it's work and we, we just want to take a rest. Um, but, but before we do that, we have this beautiful episode today, but, but the thing I wanted to kind of highlight was if you would love, if you've been on the show and you're listening, could you promote your episode? Like I would, that's like, awesome. I would love that to see that. And if you've been listening to the show and one has resonated with you, could you share that somewhere or share it with a friend or share it on social media, tag us. Um, we're just trying to expand our audience and, um, that would be something that you could do that doesn't cost anything you know, and, um, leave a rating on iTunes would be really lovely as well. We have the nicest comments from our listeners there. And um, that really helps us as well. So those are my three asks today. I wanted to kind of put out there, um, since we're going to be taking a break from the show, we're coming back. We're not going to leave you hanging. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We just need a little refresh, recharge, um, work on some personal projects. So yeah. 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 And we, when we come back, it'll be episode 200 and we're going to throw a party (laughs) on Zoom. Me and Tammy. I hope so. Let's do it. I would love that. (laughs) Can we wear caftans? We should wear caftans. We're totally going to wear caftans. Yeah. 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 Ours maybe if we want, I don't know, we can do whatever we want. That's right. (laughs) right. So yeah, when we come back, it'll be episode 200. Hopefully we will have some, you know, new fun guests booked mm-hmm. and ready to go when we return. Yeah. Um, it'll be almost springtime. Ugh, my favorite season. Yeah. What we're not taking a break from though, is our weekly unruffled sobriety support meetings that we, that we host every Sunday since the pandemic started 9am Pacific, 11 central, 12 mm-hmm. Eastern. Um, to get information on that, just um, send Sandra or myself a friend request on Facebook. You have to be friends in order to get into the group. It's a secret group. It's not visible on Facebook. So you won't be able to search and find it. So you have to friend us and send us a DM that says, please add me to the group. And we will. And that's where we post every, every weekend. It's the same meeting ID and password. And it's beautiful. It's a yes. great, I get so many nice little messages from people who attend and that they love our meeting. Um, yeah, it's real straight yeah. for it's any it's sobriety, um, is, are, is the foundation, but people share what's on their heart, what people are struggling with their victories, their successes. It's beautiful. It is. It absolutely is. And we talk about creativity a whole lot. So yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. That's what do you, been the so, best thing that's come out of the pandemic? Um, <laughs> right. Well, why don't you share, since we're going to be taking a break, why don't you share what you've got going on your offering? Yeah. Yeah. So I have opened up enrollment for the next installment of the last 30 days. Um, when I titled the course, it was the last 30 days kind of of 2020. Um, but I decided that I could keep um, using the content because content is amazing and it would apply to transitioning out of anything season to season. And so, um, the subtitle of the course is it's a five week course designed to help you transition from the foulness of winter into the right potential of spring. And that only just barely scratches the surface of what it is. Um, it's a five-week course. Each week we explore themes like body, uh, mental health, 
um, creativity and each week is delivered by an icon Frida Kahlo and Joan of Arc, Dolly Parton. And um, we also weave the Enneagram um, into the entire course. So we talk about our personal Enneagram numbers. We talk about our guides, Enneagram numbers, and how that inform their lives. And we make art mm -hmm. and we share that um, in a weekly Zoom. And so it's just, it's a really, really rich class. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it starts uh, February 8th. And um, enrollment will be open until the probably midnight before the 8th. So um, you can find everything you need to know about it at theenruffle.com. If you click on the top bar, that'll take you to the sales page. I love it. I took your last course. I loved it. I gushed about it on last week's episode. And if you're interested in this, people, and you're even just thinking about it, just do it. You're going to love it. You'll have no Thank regrets. You. No Thank regrets you. at all. Um, you? Okay. Me. Um, I'm working on a couple newsletter. things. Yeah. Newsletter is the best way to find out. I finally feel like writing something. I had a little um, download from the universe this morning. Um, so I will be writing in my newsletter and that's going to, I'm working on some new group pro, group coaching programs for gray area drinking and um, using the book, the women's way through the 12 steps to be used as a creative prompt for art. So mm. I will um, be working on that, but it's not ready quite yet. But the best way to, to find out about all my new offerings that are coming in the spring is to sign up for my newsletter at TammySolace.com or follow me on Instagram at TammySolace. Wonderful. That's okay. all of our notes there. Let's get to That's the good it. stuff. Yes. Here. Okay. So today we have Carrie Mallon on the podcast. So Carrie Mallon is professional tarot reader, teacher, and co-creator of the Spacious Tarot Deck. Carrie believes tarot, re tarot reconnects us to our belonging in the vast, mysterious story of the universe. Her approach to the cards has been described as compassionate, centering, and energizing. Her blog posts are viewed over 70,000 times per month. That's crazy. She was a featured speaker at the inaugural Light and Love Tarot Festival. She resides on the land currently known as Utah with her spouse, two fluffy cats, one fluffy mutt, and too many houseplants to count. <laughs> That's right. And she was a delight to interview. We've both been using her website for years to dive deeper into the wild unknown, the meanings behind the wild unknown deck. And Carrie has her own new beautiful deck, which she'll talk about in the interview. But to check her out, go to carriemallon.com, or you can check out the website for her beautiful new deck called The Spacious Tarot, which is thespaciousterot.com. And you can find her on Instagram at Carrie Mallon, and you can find the deck at The Spacious Tarot on Instagram as well. I love talking to her. She was fantastic, as I knew she would be. Yes, absolutely. You guys are going to enjoy Carrie. Yeah. And we'll see you when we see you, Yes. <laughs> right? We're going to, we're not, uh, we're not uh, saying it's goodbye forever, but we'll see you in March. Okay. Yes. Bye everyone. Bye for now. Good morning, Carrie. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Tammy and Sandra. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Good morning. I'm so excited to talk to you. I feel like I kind of know you because I visit your site all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I watch your I watch your Instagram story, so I feel like you have a good sense of humor, and I we would be girlfriends if we lived near each other. Absolutely, oh <laughs> thank you so much. Well, tell our listeners. I mean, we did the intro, but tell our listeners where you're calling from and and uh, today, like where are you at? 
I'm here in Salt Lake City, Utah, in my little home office, nice and cozy. Um, yeah, and uh, happy to be here. Is it snowing there? Not right now, but it has been quite a bit, and it's still looking very gray, a little windy, so we might get some more flurries later. Oh, I have um, I have a lot of family in Salt Lake City. Oh wow! And I love to visit there. I want to go to the to the. I've never been to the to the Great Salt Lake though. I've never walked on the flats, and I've always wanted to. You know, yeah, it's a neat place. Utah is really beautiful, and Salt it Lake is beautiful. City, it's like a little hidden treasure. I think it's. I really love living here. It's a great place. Yeah, I wanted to go to college there at BYU. Um, I got baptized Mormon. I get baptized a lot, Carrie. Um, but that was my last baptism. <laughs> and I got baptized Mormon. I wanted to go to Brigham Young University. Um, my Mormon missionaries, they were such lovely women. We kind of plotted and planned. And it never happened. I was 19 at that time when I got baptized. It never happened. But I always, that's, that was, that, well, Utah is near and dear to my heart. Oh, wow. That is so interesting. Well, I don't want to take us down. You know, we could talk all day about this, but it's interesting hearing that you have some connection to the Mormon religion because I grew up here in Utah, but I grew up non-Mormon. So mm. I've, never, I've never been LDS. None of my family is. And so it's kind of just a different experience, you know, being here and not being from the, you know, there, that is such the dominant culture. For here. sure. Right. Do you feel like a bit of a unicorn there? I mean, is you, I'm, you're not the only non-Mormon family in Utah. Yeah. Now that I live in Salt Lake City, it doesn't feel like a big deal at all because Salt Lake City is actually quite, um, there's quite a lot of non-Mormons here in this city. Where I grew up was more of a rural town and it was definitely um, a bit strange being the one who wasn't Mormon in more of rural Utah. But yeah, here in the city, it's not a big deal at all. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Cause it's a whole culture, right? It's a whole thing. Um, and that's what I think when I was younger, when I was seeking, I'm very much a seeker trying to figure out what I wanted. I didn't realize I just wanted community carry. Right. And so eventually through sobriety, I have found it, <laughs> um, in a different way, but I imagine, yeah, you doing what you do in Utah. Um, Oh, I can't wait to get into it. We're going to, yeah, we're going to talk about everything. Um, but how, so tell our listeners, they're familiar with you because Sandra and I talk about you. We do a year ahead spread um, every January. I've done one for the last three years. Sandra turned me on to it um, before that. Sandra, how long have you been doing it? Four, I think years? four or five years. I can't remember, honestly, four or five yeah. years, maybe. Yeah. And so we do them and pull the spreads. I take a photo. I put it in my calendar. I write out all the months, all the meanings and, um, was turned on to your work by my friend, Natalie Fairbrook. She used to call me and say, what's your card for the day? And then she'd go read the deeper meaning on your website. So from now, the wild unknown though, you should explain that. Thank you. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. The wild unknown deck. And so now I do the deeper meanings with you, um, read what you, what your take is on it. So can you, can you just share how you got into tarot and then we can get into all of the, your, all of the rest of it. Yeah. Okay. I'll try to keep it as short as possible, which is <laughs> be a challenge but so I was at the point in my life where I kind of describe it as like a quarter life crisis in a way because I had done all of the things that I thought I was supposed to do in life right like I you know I went to college and I got my degree and I had my first job in the corporate world um, and that was really as far ahead as I'd ever thought in my life so when I got to that point I had this moment of like wait is this it what what now 
Um, and there was a lot of things happening at once and it's kind of hard to describe, but I guess the best way I can do describe it as I felt a really a, a huge sense of disconnection from I didn't even know what from creativity from spirit I didn't know how to name it I just felt very out of touch with something and around that same time a few things happened at once uh, the first was I somehow got into the artist's way which I'm guessing because I know you talk a lot about creativity that's probably something you're familiar with and your listeners or listeners would be familiar with too, the artist. Way. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. We talk about, <laughs> yes, we talk about morning pages a lot. Awesome. Okay. I figured I'd be in good company with that. Yeah. So the artist way was a huge um, portal for me in a lot of ways. And it, it opened me up to a lot of things. And it was around that same time. I also just out of nowhere had this, I guess what I would think of now is an intuitive hit that said, go buy a tarot deck. And it really did come out of nowhere because I was, I was sort of familiar with tarot. Like I did have a good friend in college and she's still my friend now, actually. And she would, she would read the cards sometimes. And I, I had seen readers at um, events at, at, at college and things like that, but it wasn't, I didn't have a particular reason. It was kind of like, why do I feel <laughs> that I want to get a tarot deck? But I did. And it just helped me click so many things into place. Like it really helped me find more of a sense of belonging in the universe and understand some of the patterns that were coming up for me that were getting in my way. And it just just like opened up so many doors. And uh, I guess from there, it just, it never stopped. It just kept going and I started my blog. And eventually, as you mentioned, I, I got the deck, The Wild Unknown, I had learned with the Rider Waite Smith Tarot originally when I got the Wild Unknown. It was pretty new at the time. And I um, I was just really intrigued by the imagery. Um, and it's not that I didn't like, I actually didn't even have the guidebook that came with the deck. So um, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to start writing about my feelings on this imagery. And I had no idea that that would be something that would would resonate with a lot of people but it turns out as as you shared that a lot of people find me now through those blog posts which is kind of funny because they just sort of went into writing them like oh I just want to do this for myself and write about this deck because I think it's really cool mm -hmm. how many hits a month do you get from people looking at that at your interpretation of the wild unknown it's actually it's kind of amazing because even still now that the deck been out for a while um it's still usually around seventy thousand. Sometimes, oh sometimes even more yeah I can't believe it it's really it's pretty wild that is crazy that is crazy you know I um and then you and I, I know we're going to get into your own beautiful deck and your your own you know your own enterprises as far as the tarot goes but um you know I recently heard Kim Kranz on a podcast um, that just came out like a month or so ago or a couple of months ago. Um, it was a, it's a podcast called witch wave. And she was talking about the wild unknown. And she said, she, she, I'm paraphrasing, but she said she was kind of, she kind of cringes about it a little bit. Not, I don't think she was really talking about the imagery, but her interpretations of the cards. And she said, you know, if I could go back, I would have some more to say about, about each interpretation if I were to do it today. 
And I thought that was interesting because, you know, and it makes sense. We all grow, we evolve, we learn more, we take in more, we have different observations and perspectives as we grow. Um, so anyway, I just, that was just a little sidebar, but, um, but yeah, I, I, the, the wild unknown is such a popular deck and, you know, it was my first deck and I've had it for, I guess about five years. I got it kind of soon after it had come out, had been released. I had a friend that had it, but I've just been, I don't know if I get overwhelmed easily, but I have been hesitant to buy another deck just because I'm just like, I don't know. I just, I have to learn this one. Does that, does, do do you identify with that? (laughs) Mm. Well, so I want to, first of all, say, I love the witch wave podcast. So yes, shout out to the witch wave podcast. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I have a lot of decks, which is probably not that surprising because it's, it's something I do professionally. Sure. Even though I have a lot of decks, there's actually only three right now that I, that I do readings for other people with. So I think, I think it's kind of personal and everyone's a little different. Some people are, they think of themselves as deck collectors. So it's sort of like, yeah, you know, I'll buy a bunch of decks. And even if I don't end up using them a lot, it's they're pretty, you know, right. They're pretty and whatever, but I understand being more in the place of, oh, you know, I want to make sure that if I bring something into my life that I'm really going to go deep into it and connect with it, which, I, which is sort of what I hear in what you're saying. Um, and I think that makes sense as well because I have had that experience of seeing a deck and thinking it looks it looks nice and then I buy it and it turns out I don't really connect with it and they are such a personal tool so I do think we all you know we want to find the ones that really speak to us Mm -hmm. could I ask as like a person who is new to it seemed a little bit overwhelming at first um, Carrie and so how I was introduced to it, I went to and got a tarot reading on 11, 11, 17. And it was like a foreign language when the, when the reader was reading it to me, I was taking fast and furious notes. I was trying to remember what she said. And I was, I just, it felt like a foreign language. And so I walked down to the little bookstore down the road from the coffee shop that I was at and bought my first deck. And that's when I started kind of investigating and playing with it and knowing that Sandra had used that as a tool and some of my other friends had been using it. Um, but there's a lot of history to tarot, right? I mean, this, the Rider weight deck that you talk about, could you talk about maybe a little bit about the history of tarot and just so that our listeners who aren't familiar kind of know where it's steeped in or where it started? Yeah. So I'm not an expert on this either, but I do know a little bit, something I'm interested in. Um, so to go sort of way back, originally tarot comes from Renaissance Italy, as far as sort of historians know, and it was played as a card game. So uh, back then it was actually just the the major arcana, which are the ones that are, you you think of like the death card and the fool, those are what we call the major arcana of the deck. That portion was illustrated, kind of fully illustrated, and then the minor arcana in those older decks were more, we call them pips. So instead of having a full scene, it would just be like <clears throat> on the six of cups would just be six cups, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, a little bit, well, quite a bit later, tarot became something that caught the attention of occultists. And the Rider Waite Smith deck came out in, I believe, 1910. 
And this became a deck that was hugely, hugely influential and still is to this day. It's kind of the iconic, like usually if you see tarot in a movie or something like that, it probably what you're seeing is the, the Rider Waite Smith. So um, that deck has become sort of the, I don't know if template is the word I want to use, but there are a lot of decks that we call either like Rider Waite Smith clones where their imagery is, you know, very similar or it's just very inspired by the Rider Waite Smith. There's other decks as well that have inspired um, sort of their parallel systems and a little bit of different approaches to tarot, but this that's one of the big ones. So that's a very like big overview mm -hmm. of some of the history. Right. So Rider Waite Smith would be the creator of the deck. Would that so, be? Let me see if I can get this right. Okay. The, the creators are um, Arthur Edward Waite. He was a member of an occult society called the Golden Dawn. So he is kind of the, I guess, um, overseer or director would be how we would think of it. Mm -hmm. And then the illustrator is a woman named Pamela Coleman Smith. And there's a lot of, even to this day, among people who are like really into tarot history, there's some sort of debate about how much each of them inputted in terms of like deciding exactly what to do with the imagery. Um, but it does, you know, Pamela Coleman Smith does seem to have had a lot of creative freedom with a lot of the cards. And so to me, that's a kind of cool aspect of the history of this deck is that this woman was really involved in the creation of it. And so a lot of times now we even see a move towards, it used to just, people would call it writer weight. Writer was the publisher and then weight was Arthur Edward okay. Waite. So for a long time, they just called it the writer weight deck. And more recently there's been a movement like the version that I use is actually called the Smith weight. Uh, there's a lot of different versions of the deck but there's been this movement to include Pamela Coleman Smith's name in the title because for a while she was kind of overlooked. So I think it's mm. really nice her legacy is now being honored more than it had been. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. I love that. That is very that. cool. And then Carrie, what do you say to people who ask what, you know, why, what's the purpose of tarot? Why tarot? Yeah, that's, it's a, it's a really personal question. And that's, I guess that would be the first thing I would say is every person finds their own why. Um, but for me, I guess circling it back into some of the stuff I mentioned briefly earlier, the way that tarot sort of serves for me is I think of it almost as I, I often describe it as like a map of the human experience. And I think anything that we go through internally in our psyche or externally in the world around us is somehow reflected in this deck of 78 cards. So it's a really useful way for us to understand our experiences, to have a framework for um, deepening our lessons and understanding ourselves and understanding our place in the universe. So that's, that's why for me, it's I haven't found any other tool that is as comprehensive and deep for that kind of process as tarot is for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's almost like, yeah, like the use of archetypes or motifs, um, you know, these things that are, they just are, they're just constant and constantly present. I heard one, somebody on the internet, and I, I wish I could reference it, who said it because I've, I've repeated it a hundred times, but someone said that tarot is like Googling the unconscious. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It really is. 
I was waiting for Carrie to say that was me. <laughs> yeah, I was too. I was like, maybe it was you. <laughs> it wasn't me, but I really like that. So shout out to whoever said that. <laughs> well, it's, uh, for me, it's been a great, um, uh, kind of an invitation to think a little bit deeper to, to, to explore some things that I would not typically explore. You know, when I get up in the morning and pull a card, um, it's like a jumping off point or a rabbit hole to go down, which I really love. And um, understanding the deck though, could you, could you explain a little bit of the different parts of the deck? Like you said, the major arcana, but for people who are brand new and don't understand a deck, could you explain maybe how they're broken down? Sure. So those are the two. So there's 78 cards total, like I said, and those are the two sections, I guess we could say of the deck are the, the major arcana, there's 22 and the minor arcana, there are 56 cards and the majors um, kind of Sandra, you were just talking about archetypes and the major arcana in particular are very archetypical in nature. So that's partly why, you know, even though the first decks came out way back in like Renaissance Italy, I think that's why we still resonates. The exact sort of way that the archetype is shown in the deck obviously is different now um, with the illustrations and whatnot, but there's these core things that are just central to the human experience. And that's what we see in the major arcana. And then within the minor arcana, there are four suits. So there's wands, cups, swords, and pentacles. And uh, within each of the four suits, there are 16 cards. There are uh, cards ace through 10, which we think of as the numbered cards. And then there are four, uh, what are usually called court cards in uh, each suit as well. So in the wild unknown, they use the titles, what is it? Mother, father, daughter, and son, I think yes. in the wild unknown. Mm -hmm. In more traditional, you know, older decks like the Rider Waite Smith, they are page, knight, queen, and king. And in my deck, the Spacious Tarot, we change the titles yet again. So this is something that does happen. You know, different deck creators resonate with different titles, but the structure is still, the underlying structures is the same throughout tarot decks. So in my deck, the Spacious Tarot, we wanted to do, uh, we wanted to take the focus less on gender and hierarchy. So we call them child, explorer, guardian, and elder. In the court oh, I like that. so that's a quick like bird's eye overview of the structure i like that and i was just looking up because uh, the word arcana so does that just mean secrets or mysteries is what it says here or what is it what does that usually mean an arcana yeah you're exactly right that's exactly it so it's to my understanding that the, that word was chosen to reflect this idea that you know especially with um the occultist view which again you know arthur edward wait was an occultist there is this idea that these cards are um portals to sort of secret knowledge or hidden knowledge you know okay well interesting so he was an occultist so in in plain terms that like he was part of a cult is that is that fair to say is that what um it, it was so occult not cult not okay. cult, oh, cult. Like, occultist oh, right cult. yeah sorry that would be a very confusing um, <laughs> yeah no occult like o-c-c-u-l-t right okay. so was he like like uh, occultists are they paganists or the, those are two separate things 
Um, they, they can overlap, but they don't have to be the same thing. And this is something that, to be honest, is not my expertise. It's just something I know a little bit about, but right. I mentioned he was a member of the Golden Dawn and um, the Golden Dawn was a society which was really invested in particular uh, practices, occult practices. And uh, again, I don't know a lot about them, but that is a big part of um, some people's experience with tarot is working with it through the paradigm of this is kind of this group that I belong to. And we have these ideas about magic and you know divination, and we kind of infuse those ideas into our tarot deck, but not every tarot practitioner is into that stuff. In fact, not to take it too much in a different direction, but because we're talking about this, I want to say that a lot of people, um, when they're starting to learn tarot, they're told get the the Waitsmith or the Rider Waitsmith. You know, all these names are interchangeable, but they're told to get this deck first because a lot of books and courses use this deck to teach. But I have a kind of different view on that because this deck, although I do love it and it's the deck I learned with, a lot of the symbolism in the deck is tied into these occult traditions or occult beliefs. And it can be very, it can be a lot to try to learn all that symbolism. Mm. Whereas a deck like the Wild Unknown, it doesn't have that, that type of, it does a little bit to a degree, um, but it's not as laden with all of these symbols that might be uh, more complicated for someone to understand if they're not in that tradition of the golden dawn or of whatever society, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense because I have looked at the rate, the Rider Waite Smith deck before I don't own one, but um, yeah, there are, there's a lot of symbolism and it is, it looks um, la- uh, layered, <laughs> very layered. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, thank, thank you for explaining that. I, I wasn't hearing you right. And I'm really glad that I asked um, because I was, yeah. So I, uh, Occult practices would just be like mysticism, spirituality, magic, like that. And so I have a lot of, um, I don't have a lot. I have a few Christian friends that are like freaked out by a tarot deck. And I was like, why are you freaked out? So this might be why. (laughs) Now I get it. They think like, it's like not, uh, you know, I guess because of their beliefs. Um, And I was like, oh, I just use it as a guide, as a tool, as something that I like. I don't overthink it. You know what I mean? Because I'm the queen of the overthinkers, Carrie. (laughs) Yeah, we aren't, we all, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And not, again, not to, not to take that into a whole thing, but there's, there's a lot of Christian imagery in certain tarot decks as mm-hmm. well. Like even in the, in the Wait Smith tarot and the judgment card, mm-hmm. uh, it's sort of this picture of like an angel sort of with this trumpet awakening the dead. You know, so it's, there's a lot of kind of biblical imagery in there as well. Right. Well, I'm, I'm curious, Carrie, when did you, like, when did this become your profession? And you use that word and I'm just curious, when did you, I'm assuming that you do tarot full time? I do. Yeah, it's been, so I've been reading tarot for, I think uh, about 10 or 11 years and I've been doing it professionally for seven, seven years. That's amazing. That's and you amazing. still love it. You, you don't ever tire of, of, of tarot and, and everything it has to offer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I never, ever get tired of it. It's this, there's so many, it's, it, it just opens you up to so many different things. Cause like, I, you know, we talked a little bit about the occult societies and things, but there's also 
more of what resonates with me is there's a lot of um, like a psychological or what I think of as a psycho spiritual kind of combining some ideas from psychology and some ideas from spirituality. And that's more what interests me Mm -hmm. with tarot. So there's so many different ways you can look at it and think about it and work with it. And it, I never, ever, ever get tired of it. I do when I'm doing readings for other people, which is a big part of my professional practice. I do sometimes have to close my books for a while because it takes a lot of energy to, you know, to do a reading Mm -hmm. for other people, but I still love doing it. It's just, I have to kind of watch, you know, sometimes I'm more doing readings. Sometimes I'm more like now, as you kind of mentioned, as we talked about a little bit, I have my own deck that is self-published. So I do, that's been a lot of, you know, I do all the shipping myself. So there's a lot, that's Mm -hmm. a lot of my, it was just like going to the post office and that kind of thing. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about your deck. Because yeah, yeah. So, so you've been doing this for years. This is your passion, obviously, and you get to do what you love, which is a creative's dream. Right. Um, but you probably do it all. Like Sandra and I do it all. We're like a one woman show. <laughs> and so, yeah, you're doing the shipping, you're doing the returns, you're buying envelopes, which isn't very glamorous. Right. But mm-hmm. tell us about, can you tell us a little bit about what prompted you to create your own deck and then um, maybe share a little bit of that creative process? Yeah, sure. So the deck is called The Spacious Tarot, and it's a collaboration between myself and my dear friend and wonderful illustrator, Annie Ruget. So we had met online a number of years ago. She actually found me through my Wild Unknown blog, (laughs) believe it or Uh not. (laughs) Yeah, so we'd we'd known each other online for a while, and she'd done some... uh, offered to do some illustrations for my website which was really sweet so we we'd connected in the past and then I had been secretly fantasizing for a while about creating my own deck and the strange thing is I had Annie in mind as the person I wanted to work with but I hadn't gotten myself to the point of actually taking action I was just daydreaming you know and then she actually reached out to me And she was like, Carrie, I want to create a tarot deck with you. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have been thinking this and dreaming (laughs) about it. And so it was just like, it gave me tingles. It was like, wow, the universe wants this to happen. So we started working on it and we, it, we, it was a very kind of, um, I don't want to say slow because I think it happened at the pace it needed to happen, but it was a very organic process, a very spacious process which is partly why we named the deck that Mm. and it just kind of unfolded in its own time and then we did a kickstarter and that was back in I think summer of 2019 that we did the kickstarter and it was very successful and so now we've just been you know selling it independently ever since then wow yeah that I imagine doing 78 cards I just think about that for artwork um like that's that's a lot of yeah art yeah, like how long actually did the collaboration take? It was about three years from the time. Oh, yeah. And there was, you know, there were times where it was quieter for a while, where we were kind of focusing on other things. But yeah, that was, you know, it was the whole process of finding the tone and feeling into what we want the world to be like. And mm. yeah, it is, it is, it's a big project. Big project. Yeah, I'm sure it would. I would imagine that it would take every minute of three years for sure. And then even, and even just the Kickstarter is a whole nother project and it's uh, on its own, right? 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many learning experiences in this and uh, kind of like, like you were mentioning tying into just being a business owner in general with, with this as well. It was, there were so many things I didn't know how to do. Like I didn't know how to find a printer. I didn't know how to do a Kickstarter. We, we didn't know how to mail. We didn't know how to do anything. So this was all like we had to learn, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. And doing it, and I'm sure you're learning things along the way, but I'm, I'm just kind of poking around on your website. So it says there's a second edition here. What does that, how does, what does that mean? Does that mean just like a second printing? Yeah. Um, so I, I need to update my website. It's a little bit out of date, but we did the first edition. We technically, it was a very, uh, a pretty small print run because for a couple of reasons, one, this is actually something a lot of people like, but we had, we ended up with a little spelling mm, mistake is maybe a word you could use. Uh, okay. <laughs> a little spelling on it. Um, there, were a, there were a couple other little things like we wanted to try to brighten up the colors on some of the cards and things like that. So we decided uh, to keep the first edition, you know, special and have it be a very limited print run. So it, this is kind of rare for for anything published really, but we we did a second edition um, less than a year after the first edition. And that's the edition that's available now. It's very similar um, to the first edition, but there's a couple of little changes to the second edition from the from the very first print run. Gotcha. So how I'm looking on your website, Carrie, how do people buy your spacious tarot? Is the, that- yeah, it has, we actually have um, a separate website, oh. which is spaciousterot.com. Great. Yeah. Oh, I have I a client. Know that. Yeah, I have a client that has your deck um, that loves it, and I was just curious. So I, I was looking around your website. That's wonderful. Well, that whole—I mean, the whole idea of like birthing a project, right? You're midwifing all of this beautiful. Um, uh, you're doing all the readings, right? You're doing the, the meanings on the cards. She's doing the artwork, but there's so much more to it than that, right? I'm sure finding a printer, finding the right paperweight trying to find like there's all these little tiny things um that must have been just a really big project oh they're so pretty carrie oh thank you oh they're beautiful oh i like the cover of the deck too yeah Mm. i'm so new to all this and it's really interesting um oracle cards how are oracle cards different than tarot or are they i believe they are they are they are different yeah so tarot um you know we were talking a little bit ago about the underlying structure and i was going through you know 78 cards yeah so that's the thing with tarot is although every deck creator sometimes the titles are changed or you know people take a lot of liberty with their vision Mm -hmm. but there is still this loose underlying structure to tarot Whereas Oracle is really just open-ended. It's just whatever you want to do. You could get three Oracle decks in front of you and they would be totally different, have different card titles, have diff- they wouldn't have the same underlying structure. So that's really it is Oracle is just like, it's open-ended and you can do whatever you want with it. Got it. Doesn't have that structure that perhaps the tarot has, right? Exactly. Right. Yep. It's just whatever titles of cards people want to put in there since they're you know there's not that underlying structure yeah that's exactly right because I guess if it's called a tarot deck if it if it uses that title then it follows the structure even if you rename some of the cards it still follows the same same structure is that right that is right 
Yeah, and that's occasionally, um, this is something I think if you're, if you're really new to um, cardomancy in general, cardomancy is a word we use for like reading cards in general. Mm-hmm. So people who are kind of new to the idea of cardomancy, they sometimes don't quite know that. And so you will sometimes hear people like call a deck a tarot deck, even though it's actually an oracle deck. And if yeah. you're someone like me, who's um, I try not to be, you know, a snob about it, but I'm like, no, that's not a tarot deck. <laughs> right. right. Something totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, something that I do, and I think Sandra does this as well, but um, is I do take a picture of that year ahead spread, right. And the theme card and mm-hmm. print it out for me along with the date next to the cards, just so I remember what year that reading was for. Mm-hmm. And I'm a Virgo, by the way, Carrie. And then I write down all of the meanings and um, put this in my calendar at the very first page of my paper calendar that sits on my desk. So that at the beginning of the year, it's all in the front page. And so I can open it every month and look at kind of what my card for the year was. Mm -hmm. And what I have done is that when the theme card for the year, like my theme card this year is Mother of Cups. I go to your website and I look at your meaning for Mother of Cups and I print it out. And then I go have fun with glue and scissors and I cut it up <laughs> and I tape it or I glue it into my calendar, just my theme card for the year. I don't do all of them. Um, and I really love it. And then I highlight the things that kind of pop out to me. Like I think you wrote nighttime is the realm of the feminine and inward flowing energy for this card. And like that popped mm-hmm. out to me. And then I really love how you sign it with your handwriting. Um, at the end of your, I'm a big handwriting person. I love the written word. Um, and you do like a heart and you said, carry at the end, but I just wanted you to know it every year I've done that. And it's just really beautiful. And I, and I have a class this year that I'm teaching, um, that I referred people to your website, um, that they did their year ahead spreads and did it this way, or I encouraged them to do it this way as well. Um, but can you tell me a little bit about, I, I think I sent you a little note about the mother of cups, like Can you share with the listeners like what a theme card is for the year and how that can guide someone? Mm. Well, thank you so much, Tammy. That's really, it makes me just my heart happy to know that those posts are being printed and, you know, um, cut up and used and inspiring. So that's really lovely. Uh, Yeah. So I guess to speak to your question, it's, um, I, I, I don't, I, it's funny because when someone is doing it for themselves, you know, right with you pulling the cards for themselves, I have a little hesitation with telling people like, mm-hmm. this is what, how you should do it or whatnot. So mm-hmm. I, I guess I just wanted to start with that, that it's really like tarot is something that allows you to work with it in whatever way feels right for you. So that's my first thing, but then to give in some idea of sort of how I would approach it. I would think of, I like that you use the word theme card, because for me, um, I don't really read predictively. Mm -hmm. So some people do, and I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that, but it's just not really my approach. So as opposed to thinking of a theme card as, oh, this is saying like, this is what's going to happen to me. I would approach it more as throughout the year, I'm going to keep circling back to this card and just kind of ask myself, you know, either monthly or even daily, like, how am I seeing the messages of this card coming forward for me? So Mm -hmm. it just gives you something to focus your attention on. It's almost similar to a lot of people work with like a theme word for the year, Mm -hmm. right? Or they choose a word. And to me, it's kind of similar to that where it just gives you this anchor for reflection 
throughout the year. So that's, I guess, the most concise way I could put it. Does that, does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, totally. An anchor it does, for reflection. Yeah. Yeah, it does make sense. And I've, the last couple of years, I have tried to tie my word of the year because we, we, we kind of do that too. And a lot of yeah. women in our community do that as well. Choose a word for the year. I try to tie that into my my theme card for the year as well. Um, last year, funny enough, my, my theme card was the eight of wands. And I thought, oh, I'm traveling this year. I mean, I had, we had, <laughs> we had, a, we had a retreat booked in, in, um, Italy and we, we were, and there was other kind of, you know, things that weren't set on the calendar yet, but that were going to happen. And it's just so funny that, um, I like, I like how you said, just kind of use it as a, as a touchstone, but not as a predictor because yeah, mm-hmm. in hindsight, obviously I traveled, you know, from my couch to the bedroom, right. back to the couch. <laughs> shorter trips. There are much shorter trips. I, I did a lot of inward traveling. <laughs> possibly. That's right. That's right. <laughs> no, for sure. And I think that, I think my card last year was two of wands and and again, I kind of forget what card I pick um, until I open up my calendar, right, Carrie? So it is kind of like I'm, I'm living my life. I'm not thinking that it is, you're right, prescribing like this is going to happen. But um, I pick a word for the year and I leave it up on my desk all year. And last year, my word was um, change. And then my card was the two of wands. And they did kind of work together. Um, and when I would remember to go back and kind of read it and go back and look at what I had highlighted and looked at your words again. It was like, oh, that resonates. That's, that feels right. So it's not, you're right. It's not like a, like a psychic reading or something. Um, it's an anchor. I think that's beautiful. That's a beautiful way to look at it. Uh, so what are you up to now, Carrie? What's going on with you? Well, um, I can't, I think I'm in some ways in an in-between phase with well, well, actually that's not entirely true. I am with Annie, my collaborator on the Spacious Tarot. I can't say too much yet, but we are starting something new together. We just Mm -hmm. are in the very beginning stages. So hopefully we'll be talking more publicly about that soon, but that's really exciting. That's the most exciting thing right now. So hopefully we'll have, um, we'll have some information and some, some things coming out around that. It is, it does involve cards. uh, So that I'm really looking forward to. And other than that, just kind of doing my client readings and um, sort of feeling into what I want to do next. Cause yeah, it does in some ways feel like a little bit of a, an in-between time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I feel like 2020 was a complete liminal space for a lot of people, I think, you know, from March on until now. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of, a lot of women that I work with and talk to that are still trying to figure things out. Um, I love that you guys are doing another collaboration though. So that just speaks to the fact that you, uh, it was a success <laughs> the first time or you wouldn't do another collaboration again. Yeah. And that it means that you're a good collaborator. Not everyone is. Tammy and I collaborate a lot as well, not just on this podcast. And I think that's a a gift. Yeah, it's, it's really nice because up until I did the deck, my business was so solo focused. Mm -hmm. And so now having that experience of working with someone else, when you find someone 
that you really click with and that your styles sort of support each other's vision. That seems to, to you know, kind of my reading similar to what you two have. It's really lovely. And that's what Annie and I have as well. So you're right. It's really special to have that. Yeah. I've been noticing um, since uh, I've been trying to learn a little bit about the Enneagram. Um, I've noticed that my clients are either sevens, Sandra, like you mm. or ones like me. <laughs> so it's been really interesting to kind of pay attention to that. That is funny. Carrie, do you know your Enneagram number? I do not. And I really can't believe I don't because I hear about it from time to time from colleagues and clients. And so I need to really look into that. Do you have resources you recommend for finding it? It's a whole, it's another deep dive kind of thing. Yeah. Like how I feel with tarot. Like the more I learn, the more I don't know. Yeah. Um, we had, but, we had a Enneagram um, therapist on that, that specializes in the Enneagram and her name is Becky Joyce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is a great resource. I would say probably the the uh, book that many people refer to as sort of the Bible of the Enneagram is called the Wisdom of the Enneagram, and um, and it uh, it gives a, just a good solid explanation of all nine numbers. Um, I always tell because I work a little bit with the Enneagram with um, some coaching that I do, and I always tell my clients that it's easy to eliminate, you know, like if you even go through the wisdom, um, the, the, the writers of the wisdom of the Enneagram book have a website called the Enneagram Institute, or they have a, I'm sorry, a a website called the Enneagram Institute. And when you go through and just read the descriptions, it's pretty easy to eliminate at least half of them. You just go, that's not me. Like, for me as a seven, if I were to read the one description, which is what Tammy is, I'm like, oh yeah, that's definitely not me. <laughs> yeah. You're a little more, more of a free spirit, right? The right. Seven, what is this? Tell Carrie since she doesn't, she's not familiar. Uh, with a seven, seven is um, some, uh, the, the name usually for the seven is the enthusiast. Um, so the seven is like someone who um, has a lot of things going on at once, usually sometimes has a hard time finishing things, isn't super rigid in their thinking or their doing um, where, and then a, a one, some, some people call the ones, the reformers, but ones can be a lot more rigid and they're, they are, um, they can be uh, sort of um, task taskmasters. Oh yeah. That's me. me. I prefer to look at it as self-disciplined, but yes, (laughs) but yeah, I can, I can get a little rigid. That is for sure. Which is, that's why it's so great to work and know, like when I, when I finally started investigating it a little bit, I'm only just again, getting into it to know that Sandra's a seven, it really, and to know what people's numbers are sometimes is really helpful. It's, it's helpful, really helpful in relationships for sure. Yeah. You know, especially if you like, you know, like, like we're talking about, if you work with somebody one-on-one um, often, it's helpful in those situations because then, you know, okay, this, this is why this person has, is strong in this area and not so much in this. Um, and, 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 and like tarot, there's all, there's um, room for growth. Like there's a, there's sort of um you know, um, the, the kind of lower, um, qualities of that, of that number. And then there's like things to aspire to there's room for growth. And I feel like the tarot 
that's the same in the tarot as well, wouldn't you say, Carrie? Yeah, you know what? Um, I was thinking, oh, a couple of things I was thinking, but the first is I really want to get into this now because I've heard about it for a while. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Uh, and then the second thing I was thinking is I guarantee you there's someone out there already who has linked up the Enneagram to tarot. In oh, I bet. I'm sure there is because um, <clears throat> even like, I love just how everything connects. And this is like I mentioned why I never get bored of tarot is because you can connect it to so many other things. Mm. And so like, for example, um, Tammy, you were, you were talking about that you're a one and mm -hmm. you guys were sharing some of what that means. And I know earlier you mentioned you're a Virgo mm -hmm. and I was already hearing like, oh, that to me, you know, there's some connections probably between being a one and being a Virgo. Mm. And, mm -hmm. um, in, the, I don't know if there is some connections, but I, one thing I am kind of into is Myers-Briggs mm -hmm. and, um, I don't know if there's some connections between Enneagram and Myers-Briggs, but in tarot, I mentioned there's the court cards, there's 16 of them and there's 16 Myers-Briggs types. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people have linked up the Myers-Briggs types to the court cards, which I love. Interesting. So yeah, I want to get into Enneagram and see what other people have done linking it to tarot and then see how, you know, if I have any thoughts on it. So thank you. You've given me another rabbit hole. To go <laughs> there <down>. you go. <laughs> yeah. You probably need another something to do on your to-do list. I'm sure like, every other <laughs> one right. But it's like, it's like what we're in. So in sobriety for me, Carrie, and I think Sandra can share her experience, but I just, I had to, so when, when I removed drinking from my life, it left a really big hole, a lot of time to fill. Um, a lot of, um, a lot of my time was spent thinking how to drink, how to throw parties. I used to own a wine bar. Um, my time was obsessed with, with drinking and, um, I'm almost six years sober and I went back to college. I make art. I do this podcast with Sandra. Like I had to fill it with things that were going to light me up. And so that's, what's so cool about discovering these things, like the Enneagram and the tarot, and like how to add that to my spiritual practices in the morning and that I get to make it up how I want to do it. Like nobody tells me like, I'm not, I'm baptized by myself now. Like every time I take a shower, right? Like I, that's my baptism. I don't have to go get baptized at all these churches anymore. I get to do it every day and have this like invitation to just follow my curiosity and I love it. I love it so much. And just like you said, like there's so many things to connect the dots and I'll never get bored. And that's why a lot of people think sobriety can be boring. And it's like, it's not, and you don't have to be sober to go down these rabbit holes either. Right. Like, like, like you, like what you're doing, what you just said, like, Oh, well, that might connect with the Enneagram with, with Tara. Like, yes, it's, it's beautiful. It's um, I feel awake in a way that I never did before in my life. So it's a, uh, I'm just, I dig it. I totally dig it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I think tarot, like many things is just another invitation to follow your curiosity. And mm -hmm. I love that. That's my, that's the thing that bolts me out of bed every morning. Yeah. So Carrie, if people want to work with you for a reading, could you tell us like what a reading entails so that our listeners, cause our listeners, after we had Natha on the first time, like they freaking loved her and they were like all about it and getting readings from her. And I would love if our, our listeners are called to this, to contact you and to book a reading. So can you just give us a little overview of what that would be like for a reading? Sure. Yeah. So uh, my website is carriemallon.com and I have some information there, but to, to share a little more while we're here, it's interesting because it has the way that I do readings is something that has also kind of continued to shift as, as I've been reading professionally. 
Um, and where I am right now, I'm at the moment, I'm only offering um, live sessions via video, so uh, via Skype. And the reason I moved in that direction is I used to do more like I would offer pre-recorded ones where I would just like, you know, record it and send it to someone or written readings. And I do, I like doing those and a lot of readers still do those. But the more I've evolved in my practice, I really think readings are the most powerful when they are a conversation. Mm. So instead of me just saying this card means this, blah, 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 there is this like back and forth and not all, but most of my clients have some familiarity with tarot. Like most of them find me because they have their own deck or whatnot. And so that gives us this beautiful opportunity to, I I explain it as kind of co-creating a reading, you know, of course I'm in sort of the facilitator role, but it's very, uh, it's a space where um, myself and the client were both present and we're both really putting things into the mix. Uh, so I hope that, I hope that answers the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I could talk to you forever, Carrie. Do you have more questions, Sandra? Like, or- uh, I guess just quickly, are you accepting clients now? Because, um, you know, like Tammy mentioned, get ready. We have, <laughs> you, you may be getting some, some requests. That's so sweet. Yeah, I am. I am open at the moment. Sometimes like January, I don't know exactly when this will air, but January has been a little bit busier because I think um, a lot of people think this is a great time of year, you know, the new yes. So sometimes it's maybe a week or two out after mm-hmm. you book uh, until you get in. But um, yeah, I am open at the moment and I will be for probably at least another I'd say another two or three months. I might take a little break in the springtime, but but right now I'm I'm open for for clients and I'd love to connect with some people. So thank you for for sharing with your listeners. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, so okay, I've just learned a lot today. Thank you for letting me just ask, you know, these simple questions because I am, even though I have these decks sitting in my drawer next to me, wrapped in silk that Sandra makes. Sandra sends me the most beautiful silk scarves and bags that she makes for the decks. And it's really beautiful way to keep them and to store them. So, um, but I still don't know a whole lot. So I'm taking my time and just um, exploring them and I love it. Um, But we wanted to know what your three favorite things are your three unruffled toolbox items are today. It's a part of the show where we share with our listeners, like a tool, creative tool um, that helps you in, in your practices and in your daily living. Oh yeah. I love that you do this. It's such a cool thing. Um, sure. So I was thinking about it and uh, I hope that they, uh, they, they make sense the way I share them. The first one is a little more abstract, but it's a practice that I've been turning to a lot lately, especially with how challenging the past year has been. And I think of it as just the practice of zooming out. So in my deck, the Spacious Tarot, we have a card that's traditionally in other decks called the Hanged Man. We've changed the title to the Hanged One. And in um, older decks like the Waite Smith, it literally shows a man like hanging upside down. And one of the ideas behind the card is having a different perspective. Hmm. So in, in my deck, we changed the imagery. It's very different. And the way we've shown the imagery is based on the NASA photo Earthrise, where it's a view of the earth from the moon. So the perspective is like you're on the moon looking at the earth. Hmm. And that's the imagery I always think of when I think of zooming out, because sometimes when I'm really in the thick of anxiety or whatever it is I'm dealing with, 
it feels so like all encompassing. So if I can remind myself to zoom out and even to that huge perspective of like, oh my gosh, we are on this planet floating in space. Like somehow we're alive. We're here. Having that like zoomed out perspective is, is huge. And I've been turning to that a lot lately. So that's my first one. It's kind of abstract. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then the second thing is, this is probably something a lot of people say, I bet, but taking baths, oh my goodness, especially in the winter time, um, but really all year round. I think part of it is uh, my sun sign is cancer. And I've seen some people talk about like, depending on your sun sign, uh, you can find a way to connect with that element. So I'm a water sign. So connecting with water is very healing for me. Oh yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. Epsom salts, essential oils, bath. Great. It always just like helps clear the energy. It makes me feel better. Mm. And then the third one is actually an app that I've, I started using a couple of months ago. It's called forest. Are you guys, have you guys heard of this? No. Okay. So one of the struggles I have with my creativity and with everything is just like being on the smartphone way too much, too much, too much screen time. Um, so this app forest, it's very simple. It's essentially what it is, is really just a timer. Um, but you, you grow a virtual tree while your timer is on and it prevents you from going on to other apps. And you can choose apps to put on your allowed list. So for example, like I have Spotify because I I always have music on, so I can still use Spotify and you can choose what you still want to use, but it prevents you from like going on social media and things like that. So I'll set that timer and grow my tree and just like put my phone somewhere where I can't reach it. And that has been so helpful for my concentration and like my peace of mind of just not constantly being inundated with whatever's going on on the phone. So that's amazing. Okay. So let me get this straight. So you could say like, I'm, I'm blocking out two hours to work Mm -hmm. and you, and then, so it'll let you set the time. Is that, am I hearing that right? Yeah, you're exactly correct. So you can set the time for however long you want. You could set it for two hours. You could set it even just for like 10 minutes Um, and you grow, uh, you know, like I said, this little virtual tree. And then there's this whole section where you can look at your forest. So it's like, here's all the trees you grew this day or this week or this month. And that's amazing. Yeah. It's really neat. Oh, it's so visual too. Oh, I love that. I think that's, yeah, I'm getting that today. Yeah. (laughs) I have a lot I want to do and it's funny. Uh, Instagram (laughs) is reflecting, you know, I have, (laughs) My priorities. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, Carrie, I, we're so grateful that you said yes to come on. We really appreciate it. I know that um, uh, our listeners are going to absolutely love this conversation. And I'm sure I'm going to go back and re-listen and take tons of notes because I wasn't taking them as I was going. I was trying to be present, but you get, get dropped a lot of good nuggets here that I want to write down. Um, so thank you. So how can people find you, Carrie? Once again, I know you've mentioned your website, but can you mention how they can find you and your new beautiful deck? Sure. Yeah. So uh, the websites, again, uh, my personal website where you can book readings and I have my blog is carriemallon.com. And then for the deck, it's the spacious tarot.com. And funny enough, we're just talking about, you know, Instagram being a distraction, but I do, I am on Instagram, of course. <laughs> so my, my personal account is at Carrie Mallon. And then I run uh, the account for the deck as well, which is at 
the spacious tarot. Uh, so those are those are probably the best the places that are um, the the best to find me. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. So, and and the last parting question I just, I meant to ask you earlier, have you ever met uh, Kim Kranz or connected with her? No. The wild unknown. (laughs) No. Oh, I have no, um, I never have. I did when I first way back, this was when they were still indie before they Mm -hmm. have a, they have a publisher now and they're everywhere. But back when they were indie was when I first got the deck and I did actually email them before I started my blog series. And I was like, hi, I really like your deck and I want to write about it is that okay so she like I don't know if it was her or someone on her team but they were like yeah sure so I got their blessing to you know to write the blog post and obviously I say in the header of the blog post like this is not I'm not affiliated with them or anything like that I'm just a fan of of their work. So I don't, I've never met her anything like that. How funny. Oh, that's, I love that. Yeah. I have the indie uh, version of that deck of the deck too. Um, and yeah, that's so cool. That's very cool. Um, I, I got to meet her, um, when she was doing her journal tour, she was doing, going like out surfing in her uh, kind of going along the coast of California and Oregon. And she was at a little independent shop. So me and my friend Natalie went to go meet her and she was lovely. And um, she was supposed to teach at a workshop that I was teaching at um, on the San Juan islands. And um, it didn't happen because she was at an ashram writing blossoms and bones. So Mm -hmm. she had to cancel that. And she was in her own space writing that um, very beautiful, beautiful book. Um, But I just thought for sure you guys would, you know, would have met. So let's, we're going to, we're going to work on this. I'm going to work on this. Yeah, Yeah, that is because I've been such a fan of that deck for so long. And that's, yeah, yeah, again, not to go into a, a whole rabbit hole, but hearing you talk about her tour and everything, it's like, Oh, my deck came out, you know, essentially not that long after we started shipping was when the pandemic hit and we've yeah. been having dreams of doing like our own little mini tour oh, and you know, doing yes. more things. So there's a lot of things about the old normal that I hope we don't go back to, but I do hope we can go back to community yeah. gatherings and being with, you know, our people. Cause that would be really, I really look forward to that. Oh, same. same well, same. Sandra and I do little meetups, um, in, in the real life with our listeners, um, that we haven't been able to do. And if we could ever do a meetup, can you imagine that Sandra, like with, with oh. Carrie and our listeners, that would be really fun. And you could promote your deck. Okay. I love to dream. I'm dreaming right now. That's going to be the future dream that we're going to do. That. <laughs> and Kim Kranz is going to swing by. It'll be great. Right. <laughs> Oh, Carrie, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yes, Carrie, thank you. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers. Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.